Welcome to episode number six. You're listening to the Follow Your Flow podcast. Now, as you may have already gathered, hormonal contraception is a little bit of a feature on these podcasts and the other work that I do. And the reason for this is that I feel that we need to talk about it much, much more than we do. It's become such a normal part of a woman's life that we don't really question the effects and the impacts on the body as much as we could. And as I've said many times, I'm not necessarily anti-hormonal contraception completely, but I am definitely pro being fully informed. And I do actually firmly believe that if we were fully informed about the drugs themselves, how they work, their impacts on the body, the potential harmful effects, as well as being educated on our cycles, our reproductive health overall, then there would be far fewer women taking these drugs if they knew the full story. And on this episode, I'm interviewing Dr. Rachel Mascord, who shares her personal experience with one of the hormonal contraceptives known as Depo-Provera, and she learned she she learned a lot from taking this drug and she's going to share with us in this episode everything that she learned coming out the other side and then what she then understood about what it means to be a woman and including her renewed relationship with her cycle now always remember please that the content on this podcast is for information purposes only and is not intended to replace your own personal medical advice, always make sure that you seek advice from your medical practitioner before making any changes to your healthcare plan. Okay, now let's head over to the episode to hear what Rachel has to share. You're listening to Follow Your Flow, your podcast on all things women's health, menstruation and fertility. Your host, fertility awareness educator, women's health practitioner and lover of all things health and healing, brings her wealth of experience along with the real experiences of women and the expertise of health professionals. If you're looking for real and insightful conversations with real women along with inspiring and lasting ways to improve your health, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host on Follow Your Flow, Sarah Harris. So I was recently part of a conversation with a group of women and we were talking about menstrual suppression and how this is very much a thing and has been since the inception of the pill really and since the 1960s in its various forms along the way. For those of you who may not be aware of this term, menstrual suppression, it's referring to the use of drugs and synthetic hormones to eliminate your menstrual cycle and your period for months at a time. Now, sometimes this is a choice that women make for medical reasons, or it's the only choice that they have been told that they have to deal with menstrual conditions, or it can be a lifestyle choice that some women are making to not have to deal with the inconvenience of having a period or as some say, not having to deal with the ups and the downs that that may come with having a menstrual cycle. So during this conversation with this particular group of women, Rachel, who is my guest on today's show, shared about her experience with Depo Provera. 
a birth control method administered by injection every three months. And I really loved what Rachel was sharing, not only her experience of taking the drug itself, but what she has then come to since then. So I felt it would be a great story for women to hear about. So I immediately got in touch with Rachel and asked if I could do an interview with her for the podcast. And here she is. Welcome, Rachel. Hello. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. It's a pleasure. Let's get into talking about Depo-Provera. Can you share with the listeners what, what is it actually? Because some, some listeners may not even have ever heard of it before. Sure. Depo-Provera is a synthetic progesterone. And what it does is that it stops a woman from ovulating and having a menstrual cycle. And the thing about the depot at the beginning of the name is that that indicates the way it's delivered. And a depot injection is an injection of a liquid, so it's not an implant, uh, into a muscle. And from there, it slowly uh, releases itself out into the bloodstream, but at a rate that seems to be determined by the individual metabolism of the woman. So once a depot injection is given, essentially you have no control over it. You can't remove it because it's a liquid. And the rate at which it releases itself, as I said, you can't, you can't control that. That's entirely then up to the drug and the way your metabolism interacts with that drug. Yeah, so there's essentially no turning back really. Yes, um, it takes time to release any sort of depot injection and to have it completely removed from your body. So this was, and, and of course, you know, along with, along with all drugs, there's going to be some side effects and we can talk about that too. But can you um, give us, you know, a little bit of background into what prompted you to take this medication in the first place? Yeah, certainly. Um, it was not it was not the greatest moment in my life. I was really quite stressed. I was in a fairly new relationship and I had had really years of difficulties with my periods. So pretty much from the get-go, I had painful periods and I had always had the most awful premenstrual experience which would then lead into a horrible menstrual experience and it would take me I always used to joke like a week to get over my period so I had one good week a month um, and on top of that my periods were fairly chaotic and I experienced adult acne so it's quite interesting I got through my teenage years with very clear skin hit my 20s and suddenly ended up with this acne that seemed to be related to my menstrual cycle. So with all of this in mind, I went to the GP. I was feeling tired and stressed and, and anxious. I mentioned my period trouble, mentioned that I was, I think I was thinking of an IUD or something at the time to um, prevent myself from falling pregnant. And the GP suggested that I could have this Depo-Provera slow-release injection. My periods would go away. And 
And I don't know what happened to me. I, I think I had visions of me frolicking in grassy fields and, you know, suddenly being overwhelmingly happy because I wouldn't have this premenstrual tension, midmenstrual tension and postmenstrual tension. And the acne would disappear. This was the fantasy mm. that I uh, latched onto. So I very excitedly took my prescription and went up to my local pharmacist, who's someone who'd looked after me for years in my professional capacity. I would always send my patients to him. Um, if I needed an opinion on a medication or needed any support, I would uh, contact this lovely gentleman. Anyway, I dutifully handed over my prescription thinking, you know, here's my ticket to freedom. And he looked at it and I remember looking at the look on his face and it was not a happy look. And he just stopped. He actually stopped for a very long moment and he was just looking at it and, and it was almost like you could hear his brain ticking over. And he looked up at me and, and he said, are you sure about this? And I said, oh, yeah, look, you know, I've spoken to the doctor. I think it'll be great for me, you know, whatever I rattled off. And he just kept looking at me and he said, I think this is a really bad idea. And I kind of dug my heels in. So here's this person I had immense respect for and thought he was just a fantastic pharmacist. And here I am basically digging my heels in and going, no, I've decided this is what I want to do. I do not want my periods anymore. Thank you very much. Give me my prescription. Thanks. So he, he did as I requested. And I went and had my first injection. Wow. Interesting, isn't it? Oh, Interesting. Yeah, that you've... Um... I love hindsight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did did anyone did anyone at any point like I know that he was he was there saying you know perhaps this is not such a great idea but did anyone give you any kind of information about the drug like you know any side effects or tell you about you know any possible effects that this might have like was that in you all, informed in all honesty I can't remember this was a yeah. long ago so you know Dr Google wasn't even around so it's, you know, gosh, how much has changed in those years. Uh, I was probably given a flyer, but you've got to remember, I, this was my ticket to freedom. Yeah, exactly. And so anything I read that was negative or the pharmacist going, uh, to me, it was just blah, blah, blah. Mm. You know, I'm sorry. I've got my jet, get out of jail free card. Don't. Take it in the way. Don't get in my way. Yeah, because you know, I I had this vision that I had this fantasy that I'd latched onto um, was it was just too good for me to to resist. Mm. So what happened then? So you had you got the prescription. Yeah. Did you have the injection? Did you do that yourself at home, or did you do that um, back at the doctor? Back at the doctor, so I can't even remember. I remember who gave me the second injection. I can't remember the first one. It might have been my GP. And it was in the sort of upper buttock area. Um, it wasn't particularly momentous. I don't like injections. I don't think I'm unusual there. 
my period stopped, I think, fairly quickly. I, I think if I had another cycle, it was very light, uh, light, but my cycle did end fairly quickly. Towards the end of that three-month period, though, I was, I was just not feeling well, but I'd never been feeling, I never really felt well for much of my life, so feeling unwell was almost my baseline normal, but I felt a little bit more unwell and I'd noticed I'd started to get these little irregular heartbeats. And at the time I put it down to stress, at the time I thought, oh no, there's just a lot going on in my life, new relationship, whatever, whatever the, whatever the stories are. So I rolled up for my second injection and that was where things really turned very bad. So second injection, um, the irregular heartbeats became constant. So it wasn't just like a little flutter in my heart every now and again, which had happened with first injection towards the end. Now it was happening throughout the day and my mood had collapsed. I was severely depressed by this point. And I, you know, can we attribute that to the Depot Provera? I can't give you any proof, but I, I know that um, by this point um, I was fairly seriously depressed and going to see a woman. And I'd go in the morning before work and I'd get to work and I remember one morning having a coffee and as I needed to get myself going and I went in for my first patient and I remember actually Fall, well, starting to fall off my dental chair <laughs> as she was talking to me um, and that dreadful feeling when you faint. And um, everyone at work came rushing. They took me out onto the lounge and I was lying there and I could feel my heart staggering. It was like it couldn't beat properly. I have never been so afraid in my life. I honestly thought I'm going to die on the lounge in the tea room at work. Mm. Um, I don't want to die here. <laughs> and, um, and they took me to hospital by ambulance and um, there was a lot of head scratching going on. Eventually my heart came back to some sort of normal rhythm and I was sent off. So that happened two more times uh, with me having to go to hospital. And it was horrible because I was a medical mystery. And... I tell you what, one of the worst things you can be in this world is a medical mystery. You just you don't want that because everyone scratches their head at you. They don't know. And the other horrible thing is sometimes people treat you like you're sort of confabulating. Thankfully, I had this horrible heart rhythm to um, confirm the fact that something was wrong. Uh, if I didn't have that, if I was just went reporting a feeling of unwellness, I'd I don't think I would have got anywhere. Um, at one point, so to, you know, right in the thick of that second three-month period, I was put on something called a halter monitor, which does a 24-hour um, measurement of your heart rhythm. And it came back with 9,000 um, irregular beats in a day, which is a lot. And everyone was a bit concerned. Uh, my GP was a bit taken aback and, and you kind of had that feeling she just didn't know what to do. And the hardest part was getting 
this tied to the depot previra. And there's a phenomenon that goes on, which is that if you have an effect from a medication, and I don't like to call them side effects because they are effects, they're mm. real, they're happening, they're not sort of on the sideline. So if you have an effect but no one else has had that effect, the chances of you getting your doctor to report it are pretty minimal. And your effect won't be acknowledged because when they go to the reference texts and if it doesn't appear, therefore whatever you're experiencing can't be caused by that drug. And for a lot of people there's no obvious condition between the heart and the menstrual cycle. So I was in no man's land uh, essentially and, and uh, not even Dr. Google inside. Um, not really, not in any great, not like it is today. So really for me it was just a matter of waiting it out for probably another 6 to 12 months before my heart rhythm, rhythm completely recovered and I recovered because, okay, the heart was the outstanding thing, but the feeling of unwellness was constant. That was, that was my life by that point. So did you realise at that point, you, you knew that there was something going on with the correlation between what was happening in your body and the, the slow release of the Depo Provera? I knew it. Yeah. But back then... I didn't have that strong conviction that I, you know, not conviction, but the absoluteness of knowing that I know myself. Back then, it was too easy for me to be, you know, influenced or instructed or or told that I was wrong and I would accept that. Mm. And it's taken a lot of years to recover the fact that no one knows my body like I do. No one. Yeah, and it kind of brings us to to a point too about about women and their health. Do you do you feel that women are taken seriously? Do you think there's something about women and their health that is perhaps not taken as seriously sometimes? Look, there can be a trivialization, and it's not just the thing I want to make clear is it's not just from male doctors. No, it's there is a psyche or thinking that there's a bit of hysteria in uh, when a woman presents a health issue. And one of the things that I think is interesting is that, and I'm not denying the sensitivity of men, but women have a particular kind of sensitive connection to their body but are lacking the language to express it in. So something feels wrong, but if you aren't, educated or trained or raised to have the language to let that feeling express itself, then it can come out in ways that are, I hate to say not helpful, but the fact is they're not helpful. And the other thing that goes on in medicine is that there are, you know, symptoms that are attributed to different conditions and symptoms are, you know, a list of people's experiences when they have a particular illness. So if you can't pitch your language to meet that list of symptoms, then you start to um, come up against this dismissiveness 
I'm not sure if what I said just makes sense, though, Sarah. Let me know if I need to explain that more clearly. No, that's great. It's like it's like we have to fit into a certain um, criteria in order to be able to, I guess, uh, prove that that there's something that there's something going on. Yeah, and what I think the most critical thing is is that at that point you can give up on yourself. So there's a power when a person in medical authority says something or dismisses something, and then if we are so inclined to allow ourselves to be disempowered, we can end up in a situation where we actually start to ignore, neglect, or deny what we're feeling because it's not real. Clearly it's not real because it hasn't been endorsed by somebody else. And the thing, you know, this has had a profound influence on my practice because, you know, I've had people come to me and they've said, oh, I think it's in my head. And I go, it's not in your head. It's in your body. We, we maybe don't know the cause right now, but it doesn't mean you're making it up. And what for me the great lesson was is to empower myself in relation to my own body. I hadn't made that relationship anything saw my body as a problem to be fixed to be overcome and if I could fix this problem body and make the things go away the things I didn't like about it, if I could make those things go away then that was all I needed then I could get on with my life and I say it now and you just think oh my god that just doesn't even make sense but I'm not alone in thinking that way and thinking that the body is just a problem and all we need to do is get rid of the, the parts that don't suit us and everything's hunky-dory. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's the, the way we're raised, I guess, and that's the way society supports uh, us with, in a general sense, with health and well-being. It's, it's about management, a management system, rather than actually really looking at what's going on, um, yeah, what's going on underneath all of that, which is what I'm hearing you say that you, that's where you had to go to. You had to examine life from your body rather than from an intellectual perspective. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I have a strong intellect and it, it, um, in some ways you could say it's been quite good for me, but in this instance, it did not serve me at all. And it's, led to a lot of angst and a lot of confusion because what I'd thought in my mind was so far from what I ended up having. And, you know, I, I remember just wishing I could have my three rotten weeks a month back because every week was rotten now. I was tired. I was bloated. I was awful. You know, I felt awful in myself. And here I am with this medication and no one's taking it particularly seriously and I can't get it out of me. It's there for whatever duration. Yeah, that's, that's the scary thing, I think, or the thing that would be very unnerving is to know that you've, you've kind of, you know, passed a point of no return. You can't actually go back. You can't stop taking the pill. You know, you can't stop. Um, you can't take an implant out of your body. You've got to... Just wait it out, basically. And, of course, once everything had gone very bad, I 
you start talking to people. How are you? Actually, I'm not well. I've just been in hospital. Oh, why? Blah, 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 the story. And then people would say, oh, my sister went on that or my cousin went on that. And then what happened to them? You know, oh, they didn't get their periods back for five years after they stopped or they never got their periods back or um, they became completely infertile or they gained a huge amount of weight that they've never been able to lose since. And you think, now I'm listening. <laughs> now I'm all ears. Yeah. <laughs> did you know, did you know that Depo-Provera is termed a, a chemical castration when it's given to men, they give it to men, to, to sex offenders as a, a medication to stop them from, from offending. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Mm. Yeah, so where are you at now, like with your menstrual cycle? What's your understanding and your relationship with your menstrual cycle? How did that change over the years when you kind of just realised that you needed to, you know, like I said, examine life differently, um, more from your body rather than from any of the thoughts or ideas or anything that was coming from the outside? Okay, so I'm going to do a little bit of a fast forward and come to 10 years ago. No, no, I have to go sooner than that. Let's come forward to around 2015. And that's when I really started to take serious stock of how I was treating myself and just did some, some real deep inward, not analysis, but sensing and feeling what was happening inside of this body of mine. Uh, being a very intellectual person and someone who always prided herself on her intelligence, um, that's been a big deal for me, you know, just acknowledging the fact that I had a body, that it wasn't just something to be dragged around and, and uh, fixed. Um, that, that was a slow, slow process. And it just started with interesting things like making sure every lunchtime I went for a walk. doesn't sound like much, but that was huge for me. Um, actually making sure I had a lunch break with the intensity of the work I do. It, it is incredibly important that you have some space during your day just to, to come back to yourself. Uh, I changed my working hours. So I finished work a bit earlier and I just made what seemed to be fairly, I don't know, trivial adjustments. You could say much more respectful of, sleeping and eating well, not perfect by any means, but much more attentive to that. And also more willing, you know, if I had an intense moment with my period of just, okay, what do I need to do right now? And it wasn't unusual for me if I had a break at work to just lie down and put a warm pillow on my belly just to, um, if I was having period discomfort, just to let my body really open up and uh, give myself that space. And I became a little bit renowned at that practice for being the person who would, you know, take care of herself. And that started to make an incredible difference. And suddenly, and I started tracking my period. I started noting when I had my period. And around 
2015, it was quite, still quite irregular. But now I have this rather remarkable situation where I have a 25, 26 or 27 day cycle. I know when I ovulate and I have quite a lovely experience with my period. And it can be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's quite lovely. And and I, when it comes, I have that that feeling of, okay, how have I been in the last month? What have I been up to if it's a bit crampy or um, difficult? One thing that's been different for me too, as a young woman, I would have very dark, heavy clotting at the beginning. First few days would be really horrible stuff and um, releasing from my body. Uh, and now it's just very bright and light right from the start. Uh, it was almost like the way I used to feel about it was the beginning of my period was like it was still clearing junk left from the previous one. That's how it looked and felt to me. Um, now it's just very bright and light and, and lasts for about four days. And it's, it's enjoyable. You know, I welcome it. I welcome it. And, and I love that little feeling going, oh, you're coming today. Yep, I can feel you. There you are. It's very special. It's like it's, it's just a part of this lovely female body. And I'm curious to see how my menopause is going to go. Um, my mum's menopause was quite something. That was, that was an event um, in itself, uh, very dramatic and frightening. My feeling is it's going to be lovely, but I'm happy to come back and let you know when it happens. Hmm, that would be great. So you are still, you do still have a menstrual cycle. Yes. Yes. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And, yeah. And it's like I said, it's regular. Um, I, I get my blood tests done every six months and um, no one's even said perimenopause yet. So I could have a few years to go. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, it's a vast difference, you know, from what you were describing earlier of, you know, how your relationship with your menstrual cycle from, from when you were younger and, you know, that just wanting to, to basically eliminate it like many women do, but, you know, just the bringing in a relationship with yourself and your body first and foremost, then supported you to, to have a relationship with understanding your cycle, understanding the ebb and the flow of the cycle and that that's something to understand rather than to try and, you know, push away, I guess. Well, I don't want to sound preposterous, but to me, when I look back, trying to get rid of my period was pretty much the equivalent of saying, look, my knee's hurting. I think I'm going to chop my leg off halfway down my thigh. That's not really a solution. But for some reason, people would go, oh, don't be ridiculous. You know, it's not the same as chopping off your leg. But the relationship I have with my period now, it is a part of my body. It's a communication from my body. It's an expression from my body. It's, it's something that I can connect to. I can feel in myself. I can feel when it's happening. And the more I open up to feeling when it's happening, the less traumatic it's been. And the way I look at my earlier periods was not my body screaming at me so much, but 
everything that I'd done, the, the mistreatment of myself, that was the scream that was coming through my period. And, and I didn't want that honest reflection. I wanted what I wanted. I want to go to uni. I want to sit up late. I want to eat this food. I want to go to this movie. I want to date this guy. I want, I want, I want. And the body's going, you need to go to bed. <laughs> really tired. And by the way, he doesn't treat you well, in case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> so how about I share this information with you and maybe one day you'll pay attention. Which is such a beautiful thing, isn't it? I mean, we have this incredible uh, inbuilt permanent constant feedback system very loving feedback system and yeah a lot of the time we don't actually listen it is the most obedient servant we've got yeah you'll never have a more loyal and loving relationship yeah and i don't know how to get through to people that say you know but you don't know my situation my period's the worst Mm -hmm. because you can't really, we can't compare our experiences. We just can't. But if anyone were considering period suppression as, as a good way, I would say, why not just go, okay, let's give this, let's give this a go. Let's give living in accordance with our body. Let's give our natural innate rhythm a go. Why not? Hmm. Even if you go, let's try it for three months and see if this this actually works. It's it's so much wiser than making a decision that's hard to unmake. We've got to understand the endocrine system in our body is delicate and graceful and it has an intelligence that the human mind can't even fathom i mean we we have a certain understanding of the interactions between hormones but our under, our intellectual understanding of it is primitive compared to the body's innate intelligence that primitive we're not we're not even out of um bear skins really mm-hmm in terms of what the body can orchestrate and manage for itself. So when we come in with a chemical, a synthetic hormone, the ramifications of that cannot be fathomed. They cannot be fathomed. Mm. Which is why some women gain weight. It's why some people get depressed. That's why, you know, I still don't know the mechanism by which my heart lost the plot. No idea. And you know what, I'm not even really interested in looking it up because I'm not expecting an answer that's going to truly enrich me. But if I consider what I would do now is I'd go back and say to the young woman I was, look, you know, you're intelligent enough. You know that the hormone system in the body can't easily be controlled. What are you doing, Rachel? I would say to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a great question to ask because we kind of think that we can um, push it, push against this natural flow in life. We can, you know, somehow kind of control the elements, but yeah, it doesn't doesn't go in our favor. And most of the women that I talk to have had who've had any kind of hormonal 
contraception methods, a lot of them will say, and I understand that, like you said before, that, that it is sometimes it can be, you know, a necessary reprieve for, for some women to have that as part of a treatment plan and not something hopefully that's sort of ongoing. But yeah, most, most of women will, will say that they just don't feel themselves. You know, there's something about it where they just don't feel themselves. You know, there might be some other kind of effects, as you say, that are more significant, but overall it's just this, this feeling of just not quite feeling themselves. And I know when I was taking um, the birth control pill, when I was younger, I had that same feeling, just didn't feel myself. I would agree 100% with that. And look, if anyone is considering stopping their periods and, and they have to, they have medical reason to do so, do something that's easily reversible. And I would always take a tablet over having anything put in that either has to be removed or can't be removed. Yeah. Keep your keep options open. Keep the door open. Give yourself the opportunity to be responsive if something is not working the way you want it to. That's great. And and that was going to be my last question is if you if you could give one message to a woman, you've given so many, so many little nuggets of gold throughout this interview for women. But if there was one thing you could wrap up this interview with in one sentence, a message for women for their health, about their health, what would it be? Your body is the most precious thing you have in this world and it is communicating with you constantly. It is the most generous pouring forth of true information you can possibly have. And rather than shutting down or closing down that communication, start to bring your all and your awareness to listening to it, to receiving it without judgment. Allow that to guide your your living quality and your health will change. It's so simple and so straightforward. It's not always easy, but it is very simple. Very beautiful. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rachel. It's been amazing having you on the show and I can't wait to share this interview with many more women. You're listening to Follow Your Flow podcast with Sarah Harris. Subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and get in touch. All details on www.followyourflow.com.au slash podcast.